Exodus chapter 9 this morning, and we're going to spend a few moments of time uh, here. And I'm going to preach, I think the last time I preached, uh, I preached on separation. And it was separation out of chapter 8 that God wants us separated in how we live. And He wants us separated in how we worship and where we worship and when we worship. And I believe that there is such a problem with this today in our churches and the reason is because we don't know God. We don't know how God did things. And uh, we start learning about God there at the cross. That's a great place to start. But there's more, just like there's more to a house than the front door. I mean, if you drive past my house and you look at the front door, okay, it's the front door, but there's so much more. There's generally good food inside, you know, as you can tell. All right? And there's uh, 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 nice chairs that you can sit in. Christ is the door. And it's a wonderful door. But there's so much more to Christ than just the door. And it is our responsibility to learn to go through the door. That's the only way we can get in. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we're not crawling in through the window, and please don't do that at my house. Don't try to crawl in about 1 o'clock at night through a window, you know. Uh, don't do that. Uh, knock on the door, okay? If there's an emergency, you need something, you know. You're going to have to knock. Don't, don't crawl up through a window, because like the Lord said, only thieves and robbers try to come in that way. And so, But you need to come in. And learn more about Christ. So Exodus chapter 9, and we're preaching our way through Exodus, which I've been having fun. I, I don't know about you. Uh, I've been enjoying it. And so this morning, let's read a few verses. We want to start in verse 1, but we'll read down to about verse 7, and then we'll catch verse 26. I believe that will be enough to get us the context that we need today and what we can see here in Scripture and what God is teaching us. Verse 1, he says, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh. Now, notice how this is working. God, the man of God, the people. It's a pattern. It's a pattern. And it's a pattern that you'll find throughout the Word of God. God raises a man up and then sends him to the people. This is the order. We're learning about God and how God does things, which helps us in today's age. I know we're in the great age of individualism, and that's great. But we need each other. And God has set and He created, He made, He built, He paid for the church, the assembly how we assemble together, and there's benefits to that. And we're, we're seeing how God works. And then he says, The God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. The devil doesn't want you to serve God. Also learn that. Satan does not want you to serve God. Satan does not want you to live for God. Satan does not want you to 
go to church or to do anything for God. He don't like it. Pharaoh's a type of Satan. For if thou refuse to let them go and wilt hold them still, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep. There shall be a very grievous moraine. Now, I'm pronouncing it moraine. Why? Because it reminds me of meringue, that nice fluffy stuff on the top of pies. I've heard other preachers, it's meringue, meringue, meringue. I say meringue. Why is I like the happy place versus what this is? And the Lord shall never between the cattle, or sever, we got that word sever, which God is separating, between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all, that is, the children of Israel's. And the Lord appointed at set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. I need to stop. I'm making, I'm making some commentary as I go to kind of help you get into the text. We're also learning something about God, and this will help you parents. Notice how God warns and then tells you what the consequences are going to be. And then when you don't obey, here's the point. Here's where we got to get God follows through. So mommies and daddies, it's one thing to set rules and boundaries. And then you can warn the children what is the penalty when this is broken. But what I see mostly lacking is no follow through. Now when you will not follow through on your judgments and on your rules you're teaching the child how to trespass no doesn't mean no there are no consequences for actions and you are doing them a disservice for the reality of life something that's come across my mind and we'll get to the message here in a minute i'm just minding the lord mothers be careful about raising your children in what I'm learning is an alternate reality instead of real reality. Mothers are good for this because mothers never want children to leave home. And so what they do is they create an alternate reality where they worship their children like their children are gods. And so they do everything for them. They let them get away with murder. They never have any responsibility. They're never held to a standard. And then what happens is when they do grow up and they do leave home because that's going to happen, all of a sudden there's a reality of life that they are thrust into that just everybody in the world's not going to worship them like their mommy did. And nobody's just going to pick up for them. And nobody's going to do things for them like their mommy did. And they're going to begin to struggle in life. And you're doing them a disservice. So take this. This was free. It's not costing you anything today. I'm trying to help you and give you good counsel. Follow the Lord's example. The, now, the Lord didn't have to do this with Pharaoh, but the Lord 
tells Pharaoh what he wants. Let my people go. If you don't let them go, this is what's going to happen. And so Pharaoh responds, I ain't doing. It's like a rebellious little ch child, ain't it? And then what does God do? Well, I promise you this. The counting system that a lot of people do, you didn't get that from the Bible. One, a two, three. I've seen little kids that sit there and like, four, five, six. What are you going to do it? Go ahead, mama. Pull that smoke wagon. See what happens. I, I, got, I, I, got, I got the phone number right here. I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do it. Mm, not good. Not good. Now I threw that in there free. That's free. That's like an extra. You know, it's, it's like a bonus. Bonus. But, but what I'm saying is, is look at this pattern. We see it play out. We'll see it play out no less than ten times as God deals with Pharaoh. God tells Pharaoh. He communicates very clearly to Pharaoh what he wants. Let the people go. Very clear. God's not tricky. God doesn't beat around the bush. The devil does that. And then he says, if you don't, then I'm doing this. And so Pharaoh, because God's not going to encroach upon the human will, he either says, I will or I won't. He says, I won't. I'm not doing it. Who's the Lord that I should obey his voice? Ain't doing it. So Pharaoh calls God's bluff. What happens is God wasn't bluffing and God follows through every time. Learn that about the Lord. That is a pattern set down in the Bible. Be precise. Be clear. Be simple. Tell them what the punishment is. Warn them. And then follow through. You make for better children. Better home life. And so the Lord appointed a set time saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did. That thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died, but of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. And note verse 7, we need verse 7. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. Look at verse 26. Only in the land of Goshen, because there's two more plagues. you got the plague of boils and then you got the plague of hail and fire but in the land of Goshen where the children of Israel were talk about that word were where they were where sorry where it's my bifocals the children of Israel were was there no hail now let us pray and we'll begin to get into the thought for the day, which is the protection of separation. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now. Lord, we love you. Help us today. We want to strive to be better Christians. Lord, we're not perfect. We uh, are a sin-riddled people. But Lord, there, those of us that are saved, there's something in there that gives us a desire to want to come and learn more about you. Help us today and let us understand the, this principle of there is protection in separation. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. 
What I want you to think about a little bit, and I had spent some time thinking, is the children of Israel were dwelling in the land of Goshen. Now, they were all on the same page. They wasn't going into the land of Egypt. <laughs> uh, uh, whereas today, uh, all so-called Christians are not on the same page. Uh, they keep crawling back into the land of Egypt because they like what's going on down there. I know I told you I wouldn't do this, Brother John, but I think I found a place for that. Because most people have received uh, a Jesus that saved them from hell but they didn't want nothing to do with the Jesus that saved them from their sin. Boy, that's a mouthful. And so if the only reason you received the Jesus you received was because you wanted to pay up on your fire insurance, well, I just want to be saved from hell. That's not the Jesus of this Bible. This Jesus clearly says, no, I'm going to save you from your sin. Mean old things are passed away, old things become new. You don't want, you don't have that longing desire. Sin don't have that hold over you. You're not going to want to crawl into the land of Egypt because God has saved you from your sin. We're seeing that play out right here. I threw that in there free of charge too. It's not that when you get saved that you're not saved from the penalty of hell. But if that was your only reason, there's a problem. And what I'm saying is, you can't get born again until you're sick of your sins. You have a sin problem. And if you don't deal with it, your destination is hell. And then you're going to have a hell problem. Now that's called the old way. That's called the way of the Word of God. And so when people get saved from their sin, God begins to separate them as we see God doing here with the children of Israel. He begins to sever what is His children's from what is the devil's children's. And the Bible even in the New Testament tells us there in Philippians 1 verse 6 that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Meaning that God begins this journey of sanctification. And it starts on the inside. When you trust Jesus as your Savior, when you receive the Lord, you say, I'm tired of the old life. I'm tired of walling around in the pig pen. And I need the Lord. The Lord moves in when you receive Him and He begins to sever your old relationships. Your relationships will change. He begins to sever what is yours and what is the devil's. And He begins to separate you and put you in the land of Goshen. Just like you see Him doing here. Now, what I'm finding today is people don't want to live in the land of Goshen. And the point that I originally was going to make is that if there would have been children of Israel that chose not to stay in the land of Goshen and would have went ahead and lived in Egypt because their buddies was there, these plagues would have fell on them too. You remember old Jonah? See, your sin... And your backsliding affects others around you. 
When Jonah was backslid, and the worst people you can be around is a backslid preacher. So all of you need to pray for your pastor that I would never backslide because you're all in for a rough ride. Jonah, that old backslid preacher, got on that boat and made everybody's life on that boat miserable. There was a storm that God brought up that Jonah created... But it didn't just affect him because Jonah had crawled back up into the land of Egypt. He wanted to go to Tarshish instead of Nineveh where God told him to go. And I'm telling you this morning, if there had been Israelites that said, I just don't want this. And would have crawled back into Egypt. These plagues would have fell on them too. Keep that in mind. A lot of times... I believe God's children get so wrapped up in this world that when God starts passing judgment on this world and starts dropping things down as He's teaching us in the Word of God, Christians get caught up in the, in the crossfire because they won't obey God's Word on separation. Separation ain't just about trying to keep you from living your best life now. There is a side of separation which God wants to protect us. And that's what was going on here. And we need to get a grip on that. Separation is a good thing. In this chapter, we see three plagues. One, the plague of meringue, which killed the cattle and the livestock. This cattle represents money. But it represented the false god, Hathar who was a mother goddess who had a head like a cow. Boils. They experienced boils, which was a judgment brought against Imhotep. I think you're all familiar with that. Who was the god of medicine. And then the hail mingled with fire was judgment against the sky goddess called Nut. They worshipped a lot of female deities. And as you see a nation decline into apostasy and idolatry, you will see the emergence and the deification of female deities. You say, oh, I don't like that. I'm just telling you what the Bible is showing us and what we see patterned so many times through the Word of God that when the nation of Israel, as we learn later on, they fall into apostasy and they begin to immediately worship female deities and not God. Now, I'm going to make three points and we'll be done. One, it's important to be God's child according to verse 4. And I hope you've seen that. It is important... That we are God's children. And if you're born again, then you're God's child. And there is a protection that comes from just being in Christ, a child of God. And we learn about that even in the life of Lot. Remember Lot? Lot was a saved man. But he chose to dwell in Sodom and Gomorrah, the world. Now, he lost everything monetarily. 
But God did call him a righteous soul, and there was a protection there because God got him out of there before he destroyed those cities. And so it is important to be God's child. And today, if you're not God's child, if you've never been born again, I would encourage you strongly in the world that we're living in and what's coming, and I will tell you that this world is being conditioned to worship Satan. It's coming sooner than expected with what's going on. They're already turning their guns on Christians in America. Already. Already. So hang on. So anybody that's going to hold to this Bible and preach the way that we preach, and we preach that Jesus is real, and that Jesus was a man, and that God is in the male gender, and that God created male and female, and that's how it's supposed to work, it's going to cause us some persecution. So it's important to be God's child. God is sanctifying his children here. He severs the cattle of Israel from the cattle of Egypt. Now, I'm just going to give you how I'm thinking about this because I meditated on this. What do these cattle represent? And I firmly believe that these cattle represent money because if you had herds and however big it was, determined how rich you were. But he doesn't make mention about the land of Goshen until after this plague. And what I think that I'm picking up out of here, and you mind the Holy Spirit, is we have to work in this world. we got to work in this world. We make our living in the world. Uh, we, we, we try to make our ways in this world. And I believe that God says that's fine. And he's acknowledging that because I believe some of these cattle, they might have been jointly owned or maybe they had a cattle market that the children of Israel's cattle were in, but they didn't fall under this plague. Not one cow or livestock from the children of Israel died. So God definitely separates the money. So it's important to be God's child. He separates Israel's stuff from Egypt's stuff. And I believe it's a testimony to Pharaoh that one, God keeps his word. Two, that God protects his own. Amen. And God protects his own like the firstborn. Some of y'all have firstborns. There's just a little something extra special about your firstborn. Doesn't mean you love your other children less. But you sometimes are overprotected with the firstborn. Like Dad said, we fret it over you like a cat does with the first litter of kittens. (laughs) You know. (laughs) I remember, and so my little nieces and nephews, they watch the live stream every Sunday. Because they're waiting for those stories. I remember Sister Allison is my brother Jeremiah's wife. When she had Leah, the Durango kid. Why you call her the Durango kid? She was born in a Durango on the way to the hospital. But I remember Allison with that firstborn. She wouldn't let nobody hold her. Wouldn't let nobody breathe on her. 
barely let anybody look at her. I don't want that. That's the firstborn. That's what you do with your firstborn. There's just something special about the firstborn. And, and by the way, God says there's something about, special about the firstborn. They got the birthright. There's something special there. What, you say, what are you trying to say? I'm special. <laughs> I'm the firstborn. <laughs> I'm special. <laughs> now, my brother and sister are watching this. They'll, they'll be... <laughs> and that's okay, you know. And they'll probably be right, you know. Yeah, you're special, all right. You're sped. You're special. Blessing. I'm learning all this southern lingo. Instead of saying somebody's retarded, it's blessing. 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 Okay. All right. So then when Esther was born, there's a little more leniency. And then you had Sarah. It was Sarah. Sarah's older than Amos, my help meets helping today. By the time Amos come around, like, hey, you want to hold this child? <laughs> you know, I remember with Leah, the firstborn, Durango kid, wouldn't hardly let her down on the floor. Wouldn't let her touch anything. By the time little Amos come around, yeah, he's, he's running around licking chicken grease off the floor. You know, all the stuff you do. I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating. I don't want you to think Sister Allison's a bad mom. I'm over-exaggerating to prove a point. That's how you get. But God says He loves us like a firstborn. Now, that's nice, ain't it? So it's important to be God's child. I encourage you to be God's child today. Two. I believe it's important to dwell in Goshen. Right here, the protection is Goshen. That was the land that Pharaoh had given the children of Israel way back 400 years ago when Jacob come down. You see the word where there in verse 26. It was a place. In Goshen, there would have been no hail, no fire, no boils. Cattle didn't die. Goshen's not a who. Now, I'm separating this. It's important to be the child of God. And there is a protection that comes with just being God's child. But then, you need to be in the land of Goshen. Separation. And Goshen is aware. The safest place in the universe is in the perfect will of God. And that would include a place. I'll say that again. The safest place in the universe, no matter where you are, is in the perfect will of God. Now, I also want you to understand, we're talking about when God pours out His wrath or God pours out His anger. We're not talking about the shots that the devil takes against us because the devil can throw some darts into the land of Goshen. Well, we're talking about God pulling the fire down and being spared from what God is doing. And that's important because the only way the fiery darts of the devil get through is if God allows them. 
So it's important to be in the land of Goshen. But then, simple now, it's important to know where Goshen is. Could you imagine yourself there going through this? I guarantee you, mommies and daddies and papas and mimis were making sure that those children and their children knew where the borders of Goshen ended and the land of Egypt started because they would not want their children playing across the border when these plagues started. So they needed to know where Goshen is. Now, let me ask you a question. Where's your Goshen? Or, where's Goshen today? The protection of separation. You see, it's one thing to be a child of God. I'm saved. Got God's protection. Uh Uh-huh. But we all have those extra insurance policies, don't we? Yeah. Those, uh, we call them umbrellas. An umbrella policy. We have one here at the church. Umbrella policy. Got your standard, but then you have an umbrella policy. You got to have them. They're pretty standard. It's kind of what I'm talking about here, on, about Goshen. Because if you'd have been a child of Israel living in the land of Egypt, you'd experience these plagues, and you would have been encouraged to get into the land of Goshen. He's being clear that it's not going down in Goshen. And so where's Goshen today? What he's saying is God was their refuge. If you was to look there at Psalms 91, verses 1 through 4, I'll quickly, because there was a phrase there that I needed. Psalms 91. This is what the Bible says. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Goshen was in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. Now verse 10, There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. In the land of Goshen. All right. So it's important to know the boundaries. Oh, now we're at boundaries. Lines, doctrinal lines of separation. A lot of people today, they don't care to know where Goshen is. And I got a prophecy for you. You're in for some plagues that was not meant for you. If you're not going to dwell in the land of Goshen, even though you're a child of God, you're in for some plagues that was not meant for you. You're bringing some things on yourself that God did not intend for you to bear or to experience. You're in for some rough water is what I'm saying. Now, 
me give you a couple illustrations. We'll be done. Noah. Remember Noah? Where was Noah's Goshen? It was in the ark. Remember that? Had Noah never got on the ark, he'd have drowned in the flood. Are, are you seeing it? And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, but the Lord says, look, you're going to separate. Oh, there we are. And you're going to build an ark because I'm sending a plague on this world. I'm wiping it out because of sin. Noah's Goshen was the ark. How about Abraham? You know where Abraham's Goshen was? Bethel. You'll find as you study through Genesis that anytime Abraham messed up or got into trouble, he goes back to Bethel. You know what Bethel means? House of God. Abraham's Goshen was Bethel. What about King David? Where was King David's Goshen? Well, according to Psalms 92, verse 13, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. David's Goshen was the house of God. Man, preacher. Yeah. So my question is, where's Goshen today? Where is it? Where would be a safe place to be, preacher? Because I know God's getting ready because He's angry with this world and the sin that's in this world. There's a lot of innocent blood being shed. And that alone is enough to have God really pour out that anger. And I'm talking about abortion. It's wrong. It's murder. Case closed. Let's get back to killing the criminal instead of the innocent. Say, why? Because that's what the Bible says. You never destroy the innocent. Children, the Bible says, is a gift given from God. That's what your Bible says. I didn't make that up. Children are a gift given by God. They're a heritage. God gives them to us to protect. God gives them to us to train, to give back to Him. Awesome responsibility. Where's your Goshen? Take your Bible to Ephesians chapter 5. I mean, I believe the Bible answers that. And I'll quickly wind this up now. Where's our Goshen today? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32. He lays some things out here to the church. You say, how do you know that? Because he addresses this whole epistle to the saints of God to the church of Ephesus here in chapter 1. It's church. That's the context. You say, what church? The assembly of believers. And he says, 
Verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Okay, so he's trying to teach us something. Now he uses the illustration of marriage, but he says, I'm actually teaching about the relationship between Christ and the church. And some of you even said, our church has a family atmosphere. Yeah, amen. It's supposed to have. You all kind of together like family. That's correct. Because God said that's how it's supposed to work. Church is not a corporation or a business where there's an impersonal touch. It's about family. The family of God works that way. And there should be structure, just like there's structure in a home. And I pray that there's structure in your home. Biblical structure. But back up to verse 29. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. God wants to nourish the church. That word nourish means to educate, to instruct, to promote growth. God wants to cherish us, to hold as dear, to embrace with affection. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. Now this is how husbands are commanded by God to love their wives. Even as Christ also loved the church. Now, how did he do that? Anytime God speaks of love, he's giving something. And gave himself for it. What's that talking about? Protection. There's not, I don't think there's a husband in here today that would not willingly give their life to protect their wife and family if there was to be a robber or somebody come in. And that's how God says He's going to protect us, and He's in the context of the assembly. Church. Goshen. It's important to make sure you're in Goshen. It's important that you dwell in Goshen. It's important that you dwell in the house of the Lord and that you set a little time aside to be in the house of God because that's where God said, I'll cherish you and nourish you. I will protect you. I will give my life for you like you were a firstborn. Now, ain't that comforting? Amen. So separation isn't all about those bad do-nots. There's a reason. And by the way, everybody believes in separation. If you're living in a house with four walls and a roof, you believe in separation. If you've got locks on your door, you believe in separation. If you've got locks on your car door, you believe in separation. If you're running around with Germex, you believe in separation. Yeah. So it's not separation we're worried about or mad at. We're just not sick of sin. We're still in love with Egypt. I got news for you. It's important. If you want that umbrella of protection, it's important that you know, one, where Goshen is, two, that you're dwelling there. 
What do you think the devil is trying to do during that COVID lockdown? He's trying to destroy your Goshen. That's right. The devil's so deceptive that the devil's trying to erase the boundaries of Goshen. Now think with me, and I'm closing. Remember Balaam? Balak wanted to curse the nation of Israel. He didn't want to give up the land of Canaan. So he called this false prophet in, Balaam. And he said, hey, I need you to curse these people so they start dying. Well, Balaam gets up there, he's getting ready to do his stuff, and Balak had said, I'll pay you large sums of money to do it. So he is all about the money. And God come to him and says, you can't curse what I've blessed. Hands off. So Balaam goes back and says, man, I need this money. I want this money. Because he was motivated by filthy lucre. And he come up with a genius plan to get God to start killing the nation of Israel. You know how, what he did? He started erasing the lines of separation and started blending their worship styles. And so he knew that if he couldn't get God to curse them, he'd get God to react. He'd have an action in his reaction to their sin of unseparation. And God killed a bunch of them. But he also made sure that Balaam got killed in the process too. The devil is still pulling those same tricks today. He knows that God loves us like firstborn children. He knows that there's a protection over us. And so the devil's creeped in churches and tried to attack and to get us to blend our worship styles and, and to forsake God to make Egypt more comfortable. And what the motive is, is the devil wants God to chastise you. Now, that's how tricky that old dude is. It's important to know where Goshen is, where are the boundaries, and to make sure that we dwell in Goshen because there's protection that comes from God's separation. Let's all stand this morning.